0: This is episode number 188 with Kurt Steinhorst. New concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Reach your full potential. Reach your
1: full potential.
0: Small win, small win, small win. Keep your momentum going. The Success 101 Podcast. welcome to the success 101 podcast this is your host jared warren and each episode my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential thanks for joining me here today now let's kick things off Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to the one and only Success 101 podcast. As always, this is your host, Jared Warren. So fired up and excited to be here with you as we are right at the leading edge of 2018. I've been hearing from so many of you guys of how you're already focused on a game plan to make this an incredible year. And I'm so glad to be along on the journey with you. One of the awesome things about running a podcast, and I wasn't prepared for this, guys, is getting to hear the comments from people like many of you who are writing in of not only how the podcast message is changing your life and how you're implementing things, but new ways you're finding spins to put on it yourself to meet your own lifestyles, personalities, strengths. And I tell people all the time, one of the biggest reasons I love doing the podcast is that I get to learn from so many people out there. So keep sending in your comments. Keep letting me know what's working for you. And if you're loving the podcast, please share it with friends or family or anyone else who needs to hear a peak performance message. And if you're really loving the podcast, do me a huge favor, guys, head over to iTunes and leave a review. That's what lets Apple know where to feature the podcast on features lists, on trending lists, with a crazy busy world out there full of noise. The only way people get to hear this message is if you let Apple know that you are really enjoying the content. Head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, leave whatever review you want to, but if you're really enjoying it, a five-star review is going to let Apple know what you think about the show. Thanks so much for your help in getting this peak performance message out to others. Today's episode is brought to you by the Human Charger. You guys have heard me rave about the Human Charger over and over. It's been such an awesome device over the last year and a half, and it's so easy, guys. Check this out. You put these bright white with blue light-infused LED earbuds into your ears. No one can even tell what you're doing. It looks like you're listening to music through headphones. So you put it on and you start your session. It's only 12 minutes, by the way. The white light starts flowing through your ear canals to the light-sensitive regions of your brain, and it does something super scientific. It hits the photoreceptors on your brain that perceive light and gives your brain the same feeling as looking at the sun. For those living up north or people that don't get enough sunlight, like myself who works in offices all day, I'm usually up before the sun. I'm into the office many times before the sun is up. And based on the time of year it is, I may leave here after the sun goes down. So it's time to get charged, guys. We're not getting enough sun. So what are people writing into me about the human charger? Well, first of all, people, I think the biggest comment is, just like I did, they thought it was a gimmick at first until they decided to take my word and go buy it. If they have to shift work patterns for early morning meetings, those sort of things, they're getting charged up. Valky recommends you can use this thing up to four times a day. Pretty awesome. The research is clear on this. It's not that hard of a concept. If your brain perceives white light, the same spectrum as the sun, like you're looking at the sun, but what a faster way to get charged up in the morning. People are using this as a pre-workout, or I just need to be on in my next meeting. Pop the human charger in, 12 minutes later, I am charged up, ready to rock and roll. So here's the deal, guys. I want you to do yourself a favor. My team has made this so easy. Just head to success101podcast.com forward slash Human Charger, and at the checkout, enter Success 101 as the promo code to grab 20% off of your order. I've made believers out of so many people with this thing, just like I was made a believer. So do yourself a favor, go get your own, get charged up, get focused, and let's make 2018 incredible. Speaking of other ways to charge up, this show is also brought to you by the good people over at Ample. It's the most dynamic, full-balanced meal replacement drink on the market, hands down, And I know what you might be thinking. Oh, another meal replacement drink. Ample is so different and has made such a believer out of me. It's got healthy fats, quality proteins, clean carbohydrates. That means it has a very low glycemic impact. It's got fiber and prebiotics. It's got plant-based micronutrients. And the cool thing is a lot of these are not ingredients that you're going to find anywhere in your local market or sometimes even online. They've done it all for you. It's got a lot of really cool stuff in there too that's just a little out of the ordinary. Dried honey, Himalayan sea salt, lemon juice powder, cinnamon, monk fruit extract. It's soy-free, gluten-free, non-GMO, no artificial sweeteners, no artificial flavors. And you can even grab this in a 400 or 600 calorie setup. So here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to go to success101podcast.com forward slash ample. Again, that's A-M-P-L-E at checkout. Enter the magic phrase success 101, as always. Grab your 400 or 600 calorie goodness in a bottle. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to be so glad you did. Mix it up with milk. Mix it up with water. I prefer milk. You can mix it up in your smoothie. People are writing into me all the different ways they're using ample. And for those of you looking to get an edge on peak performance this year, Charging up with the Human Charger, getting awesome building block ingredients for your brain and body and with Ample is a one-two combination that I have found extremely helpful all through last year and will continue to do so this year. Again, head to success101podcast.com forward slash Ample and at checkout enter success101. You're going to get 15% off your order and I can't wait to hear from you after you dive in. Now onto our awesome show today with my good friend, Kurt Steinhorst. There's a lot of people I bring on the podcast to bring relevant meaning to you guys, but there's not much more I get fired up about than how the brain works, especially when it comes to distraction and attention robbing things that we sabotage ourselves with each day. In fact, Kurt is on a mission today to help people in the workforce win the battle against digital distractions. He has spent years studying the impact of tech on human behavior and now works with professionals across the world to make us all smarter and stronger in this constantly connected age. Kurt has been a keynote speaker for some pretty big places, JP Morgan, Nationwide, McDonald's, Honda, United States Naval Academy, just to name a few. He's an entrepreneur, the founder of FocusWise, and just like I do, he really geeks out on seeing how the lack of focus and impact in today's workplace and its leaders sabotages us all and keeps us from higher levels of performance. Our digital connectivity, guys, is transforming us, but not in the way that we want to. And this is happening at every age, at every generation across the board, as you'll hear us talk about today. And I wanted to bring this message to you guys, because in the realm of peak performance, there is a lot that we can focus on. But as long as we're distracted in the back of our mind, even just a little bit, it's going to be incredibly hard, if not impossible, to reach those levels of performance that you want. I'm so glad to be able to bring it out to you guys today. So without any further delay, let's jump right into my conversation with the one and only Kurt Steinhorst.
1: Kurt, how's it going, buddy? It's great, Jared. I'm excited to be here with you and all of the listeners on Success 101. Man, tell me what's going on with your business, your
0: speaking engagements, everything that's going on in your life and family even. And then we'll roll into our very important topic today
1: well, you, you hit me at a good time. I actually... Uh, last week was the end of the craziest travel sprint that I've ever had for work. I, the last time I was in my office before yesterday was actually October 1st. And so I had 21 engagements from Canada to Mexico and everywhere in between. And uh, then took three days off yesterday to recalibrate with family. And am actually. Yeah, I was going to say that's got to be tough for a guy with a couple of kiddos and a wife out there trying to hold down the fort. No doubt, uh, it's. I always joke that it might look good on Instagram, but there's no doubt that I feel the, <laughs> <laughs> I feel the the weight of the work side of the of the job for sure. But I have a saint of a wife, and you know we both have a goal, and we know where we're headed. And uh, there's seasons you can stretch as long as those seasons don't become lifestyle. And so. We had a book launch and then just a slew of opportunities that made it make sense for us to to struggle in the short term so that we could hit the goals that we want as a family in the long term.
0: I know that's got to be, you know, having a wife, myself and three kiddos. I mean, it's just they're the ones that normally sacrifice the most. Right. I mean, we're out you know, quote unquote, hustling, grinding, doing all the stuff that we're doing, but they're the ones that really have to hold it down. So props to them. I always tell my wife, there's no way I could put a price tag on your job or do your job. And so I'm so grateful and I'm I'm sure you feel the same for yours if you're doing that type of traveling. What are your kind of big ideas for 2018? What do you have on the horizon? If there's some things you can mention that you and your
1: business and personally you guys are doing? Our number one goal for 2018 is to ask the question, how do we go about um, helping people at the at whatever level they um, have a need. so you know realistically right now we basically have we're, we're a small business there's eight of us and uh, we have keynotes and that's one of the major revenue drivers and then we have like full day workshops and we have consulting, coaching. but the truth is most of it is pretty labor intensive on our side and therefore um, not always cost effective for everyone on their side. so we're really asking the question how do we provide um, whether it's online training or we have some interesting ideas around providing short bursts of helpful content at the moment they need them, rather than saying, Hey, what you need to do is need to you know, listen to a two hour video and then do all this attention sapping work that is actually costing you the very thing that we th- would say is most precious. So yeah, 2018 right. goal is find cheaper ways to help people basically.
0: Well, I know we're going to get into a tremendous amount of value for our listeners today. We were talking a bit offline about the goal of the podcast, and that is how do we run? How do we thrive in a state of peak performance without bad parts that come with that? You just hit the nail on the head. Everything looks great on Instagram. Well, for many people, everything looks great in their life. They're thriving. They've got a great business. They've got a great family. They've got all sorts of things going on. And inside, they are distracted. They are tired. They are angry. They are just fatigued. I looked up the definition of distraction. I've never done that. I've never had a guest on that I needed to look up the definition. I've sure talked about distraction a lot, but I've never looked up the definition. And there's two definitions that came up on my first search. And the first one was pretty common. It's what most people think about, which is a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. The second one was the one that really hit home for me. And that is extreme agitation of the mind or emotions. Bingo. You know, full attention. It's like, does anyone really have full attention? And that's what we're going to talk about in your book today. Can I have your attention? I want to dive into that as well. But I know there's a lot of distraction going on in many different ways for people today. How would you frame that in your work and the studying that you've done and the speaking you've done? Are those two fair Definitions, or are you seeing some other stuff pop up out there from most people that you're working with?
1: Yeah, they're, they're they're both great definitions. I simply define distraction as having your attention diverted from that which is most important at that moment. But you know, it it actually is far more complex in terms of the way that it plays out in our lives. And there's different layers and sources of interruption that um, at times can be really good. Like we can complain about being interrupted, but it's pretty awesome when we're in the middle of doing something and a client reaches out and wants to. You know, buy our product, you know, that's a good interruption and it's not necessarily a bad thing. So, um, I, I think the key is understanding what's driving our incessant need to um, never put extended attention into a single place uh, and how do we make real sizable gains to allow for us to work within the limits and um, best best practices of attention management. So um, at its core, what's driving this issue is access. Uh, We have um, unlimited access to anything and anything or anyone that we could possibly want to connect to. And that is unprecedented in history. No one's ever had to deal with this. And just as the digital world has delivered the world to us, it has delivered us to the world. And so it's a distinct challenge for today.
0: Yeah. And it's a challenge that we've kind of asked for, right? I mean, we've asked for it, but we haven't asked for it. I mean, we happily embraced the screens in your face idea until until it became too much. So it's on one hand, it's like, wow, this is amazing. I want more. I want more. I want more. Wait a minute. I can't stand this any longer, but I kind of still want more.
1: Totally. And in some sense, it makes total sense that we would uh, want more because it's the offer of the infinite. You know, why... (laughs) Why would I want to have to be bored when I could go and find the thing that is the most entertaining available in the entire world? Like, that's amazing. Uh, The problem is what we're finding out about the way humans are wired and designed and our brains work is that we're really good at finding the thing that can most uh, immediately cause us to have or allow us to avoid pain, which can be things like having to work hard, having to think, having to process, having to sit and, and have space. We're really good at finding that. But in the end, the things that actually create flourishing and thriving are those very things that we typically would avoid if we had the choice.
0: Trick question here, because it's kind of more of a philosophical question of, I know one of your ideas is the idea that tools are meant to aid our productivity, but now they're our worst obstacle. Sometimes you see people thriving in The technology space, or, you know, again, it's not all, it's not about just the screens in your face. I mean, I love Greg McEwen's message of essentialism and just how freeing that is, you know, to be able just to focus on the things that are the most important things and how he mentions in there that the word priority was not even plural until the 21st century, where it was like, can you really have many, many, many of the top things that are the top thing that you should be working on, right? So, tools are out there nowadays to help speed up our world. And we make lots more progress from a business or check the box type standpoint. But I think we're really going backwards how we think as a society and how we think as people and how we interact with each other, especially. What would you say to the naysayer you're out there that goes, man, you know, this guy, Bert, sounds like he's got a great message, but I'm actually thriving more in my life. Are people really just lying to themselves out there because they're not focusing the way they think they are?
1: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. One of the things we did in in the preparation process for the book is we interviewed and and, uh, did surveys to ask the question how people perceive their own productivity and their own distraction. And one of the big challenges is that people intuitively know they're distracted, but typically highly undervalue uh, just how distracted they are and highly undervalue the cost. Um, And what's interesting is that those who think they're the best at the um, concept of multitasking are often the ones that are actually the worst. Uh, we don't feel the consequences of uh, the way that we're approaching work, and uh, we we also uh, we want to work. We don't want to be the one that says, "Yeah, you know, I if I looked at my day, eighty-six percent of my e- emails I responded to weren't important. They were just whatever was most um, at the top of my inbox." So we just we don't we want to believe that we're we're working. Unfortunately. Um, When we actually look at the data and the average person's only working two to three minutes at a time before being distracted. And, you know, 60% of online retail purchases are occurring uh, during working hours. Uh, 87% of people, yeah, the numbers just keep going on (laughs) and on and on and multiple layers of how that's costing us. But one of them is, uh, quite simply, that we aren't even aware of... Um, The more that comes at us, the more we multitask, we actually lose the ability to differentiate importance. So we think we're busy, we think we're productive, but we're not actually doing anything that drives the organization forward. The question is, why are we so distracted? And I get what science tells us about the
0: dopamine hit and why it feels so good to check and those sort of things. But is there more there? Because I would just think smart, intelligent, and maybe I'm wrong, right? But I would just think smart, intelligent people who are still out there saying how distracted they are, they've achieved so many things in their life on high levels that many will never have the chance to achieve. And they're still coming out saying, oh my gosh, I can't get focused, I'm so distracted. You would just think that if it was as simple as a dopamine hit. There's got, I just feel like there's got to be more there, but maybe your research says something different.
1: So that's a, that is a single component. Um, there's the, why are we distracted? Number one, biological, that the, the base system, the, the, the mechanism for survival in our brain is made to go in search of new and novel stimulus. We're not made to actually focus on a spreadsheet all day. No one was made to have to do that. Um, so we're made to be distracted, number one. And then number two would be, Um, the complex environment that we find ourselves in that not only are we um, uh, wired to be distracted but we are particularly not wired to have access to uh, what we would call super stimulants uh, things that are that the human brain is not wired to resist Uh, and so we have access to those things which are pleasurable and ignite the reward circuitry, the dopamine hit you just mentioned in our brain, that neurotransmitter. Um, And then there's this other component of uh, cultural. One of the biggest challenges that I have when we work with organizations is people complain about millennials being on their phones. And uh, my background, I, I still contribute and speak on behalf of the largest generational research firm in the United States. And You know, what's ironic about it is it's not even millennials who are the most connected anymore. Gen X is. What I actually see is older cultural expectations built on older generational values actually exacerbate the issue even further. So things like an open door policy. To be a leader, you have to always be available, Uh, which in a world where access was the limitation, that was true. In a world where everyone, you know, where digital's Murphy's Law is, if they can reach you, they will and we use it to avoid our work, we now create cultural expectations that we will actually move up in the workplace by making responsiveness our number one responsibility. And that isn't an individual's need to be distracted. That's an individual's need to learn the system and game it. Unfortunately, it's actually occurring at the cost of um, real intent and productivity.
0: You mentioned uh, something that I'm really curious to dive into because I've always said the same thing. And something about the way you just said it made me take a step back in my own mind and and really think about this like I never have before, where you said we're wired to be distracted. I've said that many times. The human brain is wired that way. We're all wired that way. We want to seek out something new. However, when our good creator made us and we were put on this earth, I'd Don't know that way back when, whatever time frame you want to use, there was a whole lot of things to distract us, right? I mean, every generation is different. We all have our own things. But our context, a lot of times, is around leadership, being available, screens in the face, as we've mentioned. There wasn't a lot of stuff way back when to be distracted by. So do you feel like we're distracted today because we've created a lot of things to be distracted by? Therefore, our brain seems to be wired that way or do you feel like we are just inherently wired that way and it took so many years for the technology to come along to prove that to us?
1: Yeah, uh, yes and yes. So uh, always meant to be distracted, uh, not good at it. In fact, uh, Blaise Pascal in what the 13th century or something says like all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone (laughs) you know so we've never (laughs) wanted to have to sit in silence or to focus in so yeah that's a part of it but today um, no doubt about it has created a confluence of um, events driven primarily by technology Um, and you know what is technology there's a great um, philosopher Martin Heidelberg that says Uh, excuse me, Martin Heidegger, that says, uh, technology is the summoning of everything into assured availability. So translation, technology at its core is making access easier to us. And so now, um, distinctly, we are in a situation where brain wiring is merging with environment that is shooting up our uh, ability to flip from thing to thing And in doing so, reducing our attention spans, in fact, by 50% over the last 10 years. So Jared, there's actually four factors that shape our ability to focus. And you're going to notice that biology and uh, environment and the world we live in both play a big role in this. Um, The first one is our energy. What that really comes down to is that we said that we're not made to focus, we're made to be distracted, but there's actually two systems of attention in our brains that fight with each other. And so the one that takes very little energy is the one that we're going to survive based on, new and novel stimulus. But there's this other one that allows us to say, no, I'm going to choose to focus in this direction. I'm going to choose to ignore this. The problem with that is it's far more energy exhaustive. So um, the more energy that we have, the more we're going to be capable of focusing, the more Uh, The less energy we have, like sleep, eating, uh, time of day, uh, the less we're going to be able to focus. So energy is number one. And then number two is our actual physical environment. Uh, Put really simply, uh, the more things that are asking for your attention, the more new things, the more loud noises, the more weird smells, those things will all make us want to redirect. And what's really interesting here in today's world is that um, space no longer has meaning. Like It doesn't matter where we are, we can be connected elsewhere. And our brain is biologically wired to say we enter into a place and we therefore focus on a certain thing based on our role. I'm at home, I'm a parent, I'm at work, I'm working in the field. But now it's complex because we go to places and everything is cues. We have cues that actually push us back to our phones. So that's two. And then the third one is our emotions. That We can actually focus far longer on things we care about. Here's what makes that hard. The more c- complex the world, the further our, the output of our work is from the things that we're doing at that moment. You know, If I was 100 years ago, part of more than 90% of the world in agriculture, I plant a crop, I pull the crop out, I take a bite, or I give it to someone who I know because I'm in the same community, and I see the results of my labor. Today, you can be literally feeding the poor adopting those that need to be adopted, doing just amazing thing, but all you're doing is staring at the screen and it's easy to get emotionally disconnected. It's, it makes it a real tough challenge for today. Um, last one is our experience. Basically, the things we focused on in the past, we'll focus more on. The things that we fo- we've ignored impact us and just how we manage our attention shapes whether we're moving towards a need for more stimulation and distraction or we're moving towards a capacity to be able to extend our focus. So those are the four factors that shape how well we can actually pay attention to things.
0: You mentioned a few minutes ago, and I want to camp out on this as well, that Gen X is actually the most distracted
1: generation. Did I hear that correctly? So they're the most connected to digital media, social media in a given week. I don't want to say they're the most distracted because if you add in the TV, TV watching, boomers have us all beat. (laughs) so (laughs) everybody's everybody's connected in fact we spend 60 percent more time at home connected to digital than we do in conversation with our significant other it's it's basically all of us
0: if you define generation x people have their their years you know but it's somewhere between the early to mid 1960s to the early 1980s i would have never guessed that they are more digitally connected than millennials like if if you'd bet me a million dollars i mean i would have never guessed that ever why do you think that is or what data
1: points to that? At its core, technology has gotten so simple that no longer does it require technical knowledge. And historically, by historically, I mean over the last 30, 40 years, when we started to see the digital revolution or tech revolution, it's, things got adopted youngest to oldest. And they got adopted youngest to oldest because it's easier to learn new technology when, you, when you're younger. But we've actually crossed that because now you don't... like. I got my grandmother an iPad on her 90th birthday. She's like, where's the instruction manual? I'm like, there's not one. Like, you don't have to learn it. So now everyone can use it. And so the question of whether it's Gen X or millennial or baby boomer, in a lot of ways, I think if you start to dive even further into it, you see that what's most significant isn't the differences in the generations. It's the consistency across all generations that that. Uh, we can't find we can't spotlight any group now the generational differences in the way it's used sure but the bigger picture is wow, this is the biggest change in the way humans behave in all of history like maybe we can go back to like agriculture revolution things like that but in modern history last thousand years radical changes in communication in the way we process information in the way we associate with the physical space we're in and the way I mean it, it, it is, Permanently altering uh, us in ways that no one could have ever predicted when we started to think, wow, this thing's fun and cool.
0: And I don't see it getting any better. I I mean, you and I can get on a podcast just as many other people get on podcasts and talk about work and business and distraction in the workplace and other people that you've spoken with and the talks that you give. I mean, the data is out. I don't think it's hiding. There's certain stats that you brought up a few minutes ago that were really surprising to me. And I'd love to dive into even more of those if you have them. But the data is out there. It's not just like it's hidden under a rock from everybody. We know that work is distracting us in ways like it never has before. And we also know that it's, it's really harming us from a relational standpoint. Every You go to, you know, we're getting ready to get in the holidays here, right? So you go to Thanksgiving, go to Christmas, you see people you haven't seen in forever that you could be connecting with. And what happens? You look around the living room, everybody's on their phone. Everybody's got a laptop out. Everybody's watching, the other people are watching TV, right? What do we do about this? Is would be one question, but also why is it not getting any better when we all know that the data is harming us out there? Yet we continue to accelerate this harm in our lives.
1: and And what do we do about it? I think it's important to first say that there are some amazing things about technology, and any uh, there tends to be, you know, the the pro tech people, and then the the we need to punt the whole thing and. I think that both of those are unrealistic and limited in their perspective. Um, My hope for the future is that I I, I see us as in a lot of ways, like the beginning of the exercise revolution. Um, I have a friend whose dad was one of the founders of the exercise um, revolution and Ken Cooper. And there was actually an article in like the 1960s, I think that said that Ken Cooper would kill more people than Hitler. And the reason is because he said that you should keep jogging when you get older. And, um, you know, so so what do we see today in a world where we have access to, to, to junk food that no one should ever have to resist because we shouldn't be able to even get that much sugar or salt or fat? Um, we see both that, unfortunately, the general numbers are not looking good. But we also see a growing percentage of people who are more aware and are making better decisions. In fact, like 46% of people work out on at least a weekly basis. So my hope is that where we are is just this weird moment where we have the access, but we haven't set up um, the education and the systems for actually um, finding a way to thrive with the benefits. And, and I think that's very, I think it's realistic and it it does start with education and then it, and then it pushes down into creating boundaries that are healthy um, that make the pain, uh, and system that make, makes the allure less attractive than um, being present in a particular place at a particular moment when it's important.
0: How do you think companies are going to deal with this whenever their main bottom lines are driven by productivity? Yet you do see some glimmers of hope of people instituting breaks and break rooms where it's kind of silence and you know things like that, just different things that I've seen around the country whenever I've been able to travel. You do see some of that. But at the end of the day, we are in a fast-paced world where the bottom line is driven by more and more productivity. Do you think there's going to be some shift whenever employers start seeing the just absolute decline in their employees from fatigue, burnout, those sort of things, unlike
1: we haven't seen over the next five to 10 years? It's interesting because old, the older the organization, the older the leadership of an organization, the larger, uh, the more challenges I see with these issues. Uh, I tend to see that younger organizations are starting to think differently about the way they measure productivity. Because as long as availability and always being on is a primary measure of commitment, then what is going to continue to happen is, is these cultural values will exacerbate the issues. Because to be always on means to never be fully on. I don't feel guilty getting on Amazon at 3 p.m. or you know Facebook busiest hours 1 to 3 p.m. if I also realize I have to be on at 9 p.m. And so basically, no one gets all of me. On the other hand, some younger organizations and a growing number of people are starting to say, "Not just hey, we deserve we de- we deserve a work life balance. Um, sure, we do. And there's some real important things to think about in terms of what we really care about. But like, let's just attack this from a monetary standpoint. That um, constant availability with no gaps where you f- have space to process basically means that you are choosing to eliminate the most important human resource that you have which is the capacity to think to structure ideas to prioritize Um, The very things that will continue to maintain value in an increasingly automated world are the things that we're losing as a function of the technology that creates the automation.
0: So I love the way you mentioned the four hidden factors of attention earlier, the energy, the environment, the emotions, the experience. We've talked about a few stats of how people are distracted. We've talked about what we're wired to do. We've talked about what organizations are doing and what direction maybe we're heading for the good and possibly the bad, depending on the life of that organization. What are some takeaways that people, maybe even from your book that I want to get into here in just a moment, but what can people start doing right now if they are people that say, you know what, I don't feel super distracted. I feel like I handle this in a good way, but I could be a lot better. I don't want to get burnt out. I better start doing something today, all the way down the spectrum to someone who is just at their wits end going, man, I'm at rock bottom. I'm just burnt out, I'm so fatigued, and the last thing I want is another screen in my face. What can people start doing to really start making strides in
1: the right direction to overcome this? Number one, distraction doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens as a function of unspoken expectations around availability and connection. And so the first thing is that you need to say, who are the stakeholders that I in home and work life? And put together literally just a discussion around clear expectations. We call it a communication compact. What are the biggest communication challenges that you're having? What's realistic? Because right now, if you're not available on an email, they'll send you a Slack message, if not on Slack, they'll send you a text message, then they'll call you, then they'll, you know, heaven forbid, have to get up out of the chair and walk three doors down. Like they'll they'll hit you at all angles at all times without any recognition of importance. And so There has to be a conversation around stakeholders, uh, around the different people that you're connected to. Um, And in fact, I can, Jared, I don't know if there's a way to do this, but I can even send you a discussion guide just like, these are the questions we got to figure out so that we're communicating better. Oh, yeah, that'd be huge. Yeah, so I'll send it to you. You can share it with whoever. You know, for instance, I've had a conversation with my wife. In all of history, no one has ever been expected to reply to five different messages from your home life while you're in the middle of work. And now not only, do you, not only do you have the opportunity, but you are offensive if you don't. Well, what about this? What about if when I walk in the door, you get two hours of my undivided attention, but the only way that can happen is if I don't give you any of my attention when I'm at work, right? Or I, give you, I don't give you two hours of attention during work. Like these are the conversations we need to have. So that's one Let me give you one other one. And, you know, I call it building a vault. Uh, You have to have a time and a space where you are unavailable every day to pause, to prioritize, and to dive into whatever it is that is the hardest work you'd like to avoid. Um, I do two 40-minute sessions. Everyone works different but preferably in the morning when you have more mental energy. If you don't have any mental energy in the morning, get more sleep and drink more coffee. Literally, unavailable. I use an app called Freedom that turns off the internet. I close my door. I have a sign that says, In my vault, I check out. I don't have Push available to me. And and by creating that space, what it does is it gives you the gap that you need to be able to actually figure out the difference between the most recent inbox email that says it's urgent and what you actually need to be successful for that day. So start your day by creating a vault every single day, 10 minutes, five minutes, 40 minutes, and dive in, and then spend the rest of your day responding to emails.
0: Gmail is really on top of this, Google. I mean, I saw recently in the last month or two, they've put, you know, I don't know if you noticed it, but there's a pause button up there, and there's boomerang to where you can clean out your inbox and only get to the things you need to get to when you need to get to them, and you, mentioned it, you said everyone works a little bit differently. Yours are 40 minute time frames, two 40 minute time frames. You feel like that's enough for what you're doing each day to get in your vault, get very serious and dedicated things done and not need more time because 40 minutes, I mean, I blink and 40 minutes goes by. You feel like though that's enough for what you're trying to do.
1: I, you're diving, you're making me dive a little bit further into the, the realities of what I actually do. I, I basically set that as a standard, but um, the fact is every day looks a little bit different for me. I, I think the bigger, people want like, in general, we're like, well, just tell me exactly what to do. What I really should tell you is that you need to think about your day in terms of your most precious resource being your ability to pay attention to only so many things. And so if you're always my, if you're always aiming towards what we call being focus wise, then whether it's a 40-minute session or a 2-hour session or a 20-minute session, the bigger picture is if I'm allowing myself to flip back and forth, I'm costing myself time, quality, emotional engagement, I'm... I'm costing myself significantly. Doesn't mean I don't ever do it because sometimes being available is the most important thing. But I'm asking the question, what demands my full attention and what is too important for me to lose that full attention in the deluge of all that's coming at me? And so it changes, but every day I'm looking and saying, these are the things that I have to get done, demand my full attention, and I'm going to do what it takes to get them done.
0: What does your morning routine look like? I, I picture you as a guy that's probably best in the
1: morning, just as I am, correct me if I'm wrong there. You seem like a guy that wants to get up and get stuff done. It's actually... It's interesting because my morning routine actually starts the night before. And you know if we think about our ability to focus and, as a depreciating asset, I want to throw as many low-hanging fruit, simple, but overwhelming when it comes in volume decisions into the night before. So I, I literally... my I put the kids to bed. I go in. I pick what I'm going to wear. I'm not like a clothes person, but it, it just... I pull out. I have a spot where I have my every part of my my wardrobe. I'm such a Nazi that I I literally um, I take off the toothpaste tube. I set out my vitamins. Like everything is made more efficient. My Chemex coffee. When I'm at home, I I set out the whole thing. I measure the coffee. I have like if there's a thing that I can do before I get to work that can speed up that possibility. I'm knocking it all out. So as soon as I get up. I I run through, you know, the shower, the the routine as quickly as possible. I get to work and I dive in. I, I usually do a 10 minute warm-up where I just see kind of what emails I need to look at, what I'm having doing. I move to a, a to-do list. I prioritize that based on critical tasks that require mental effort, then all the rest of them. And then I push everything into my calendar. I schedule out my day um, so that my calendar is what's driving my day and the the important works driving my day rather than Again, the most recent email, which I've heard someone else say, an inbox is a to-do list that other people are in charge of.
0: Correct. Absolutely. Are you struggling with screens in the face at night? And if not, what did you do to finally
1: nix that? And what time are you getting to bed each night? Great question. The fact is, the more tired I am, the more exhausted I am, the more I struggle with screen time. Because the more I want to do whatever I can to get a quick stimulus of, uh, of dopamine, um, so the, the short and simple rules that we put at home, which by the way, none of them are hard and fast. We are not, uh, we are not of the variety that says that unrealistic rules that lead to shame and guilt somehow are going to create better behaviors long term. But when I get home, I before I walk in the door, I make sure to spend a couple minutes in my car, and I do that to just review the work emails, make sure there's nothing left over, and then I have to co- like consciously say. Kurt, you've left nothing that has to be done now. So we're going to move into family life. And so then because of that little gap that allows me to close one chapter and open the next one as my three-year-old runs up and screams daddy or runs away and says, chase me. um, I put my phone on a charger and I have an Apple watch. And if it was an important message, I can still glance at it. Not all interruptions are created equal, but I basically don't get on my phone until after I put, uh, the kids to bed. And then depending on the expectations or things that I have on my plate, uh, either my wife and I will just hang out and talk. We'll put on a TV show. I'll open up and do simple emails, which is a fit, uh, no doubt inefficient, but it's better than doing that in the morning.
0: Man, that's great. Big takeaway for me. Not
1: all interruptions are created equal.
0: Kurt, as we get ready to wrap up the podcast, tell us a little bit more about your book, what the theme around the book is, and what really led you to want of all the things you could have put out there as an author, what led you to put that out there and how you think it's
1: really helping other people that you've gotten feedback on uh, from those who have read it? Thanks for asking. The book is called, Can I Have Your Attention? And then the subtitle is Inspiring Better Work Habits, Focusing Your Team and Getting Stuff Done in the Constantly Connected Workplace. When I began the process of working on a book, there were a couple major goals. And the first one was, I wanted to think through realistic solutions, not just exposing the problem. There are some amazing books out there that can tell us why we can't get away from our phones. And sure, we we talk about it in there. But um, most of the solutions I'd seen were the ones that sounded really great from a stage or great as a Wired article about going unplugged for six months, but don't actually work for most employees who don't have the ability to make those decisions you know, or employers who feel the demands of work. And so the The book that was number one goal, and then the second one was, was with a particular eye towards leaders, because I think that one of the challenges of today is it's easy to say you should, you know, not feel like you should check your email all the time, but it's really leaders who have the ability to create cultural changes that f- facilitate that. And so the book walks through the first section is on you know what's really happening. Then it's uh, the second section is on the science of attention, which I find fascinating and also. Um, really important for understanding. And then we move into the spheres of work that we have to rethink. How do we think about space? How do we think about our communication systems? How do we relate to our technology? How do we uh, manage the workday and workflow and uh, delegation? And then finally, uh, we end with the question of um, what does it really mean to lead well um, in a distinctly distracted, unlimited access and a constantly connected workplace.
0: I mean, that's my whole idea here is new concepts, new ideas that can really help people thrive toward peak performance. There's not a whole lot in my mind that we need to talk about when it comes to our everyday lives than minimizing distraction that can really help with that. So I really appreciate the work that you're doing. I'm assuming it's on Amazon and anywhere else books are sold. Where is the best place that people can get you online though or any other avenue when it comes to digital media platforms?
1: I'm Available across all of them. Amazon is the easiest place, no doubt, to buy the book. And if you buy three or more, we actually have a, a online webinar that we can we can give you. So my email is actually the f- best place, and that's just cs at But aside from that, I'm LinkedIn and Twitter are great locations, just Kurt Steinhorst, C-U-R-T-S-T-E-I-N-H-O-R-S-T. Yeah, so I, but would love to dialogue and help in any way I can. If you, um, if there's ways we can, shoot me an email, ask me any questions. I'm, I'm here to be a resource for sure.
0: And just before we leave here, we mentioned it a couple of seconds ago, and I, I was so tempted to dive into it. And I was like, man, I'm not going to make the podcast about just a bunch of numbers, but I do really geek out on some of the numbers. But you had mentioned, how many minutes it takes before we're distracted and a couple other things. Give us just a couple of just takeaways here that, that might surprise other people as well when it comes to distraction or focus that really some people may not know out there.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll throw a laundry list at you. So on average, we're working only two to three minutes at a time. It takes 20, a little over 20 minutes to get back to the original task. Uh, 60% of those interruptions are not outside in. They're us from internal reaching out to the outside world. Uh, We check our phones 150 times a day. Uh, Adults are spending about 11 hours a day connected digitally. We spend 60% more time connected to digital than in conversation with our spouse while we are home. Um, Maybe my favorite one is 88% of us, basically 9 out of 10 of us, when watching TV, actively use a second device. Now, why is that funny? Because when I was a kid, we used to say TV was causing ADD. But now if you can watch a 30-minute sitcom without pulling out your phone, you are the best we've got. (laughs) It's it's funny and sad at the same time.
0: But again, that's why people need to hear your message so much more. So Kurt, thanks so much for your time here today. We appreciate it. And I will link everything up in show notes, including uh, the guide that you mentioned. And uh, that way people can see that. I'll do a downloadable PDF uh, after you share that with me. And wish you the best, man, as you continue to go out there and discover more things that are going to help so many more people
1: uh, really thrive toward peak performance. Thanks, Jared. This has truly been an honor. And uh, I'm excited to continue the dialogue with you.
0: If you'd like to connect directly with me, the best way to do that is to shoot an email to my team at info at success101podcast.com or you can catch me in the world of social media on the Success 101 Podcast Facebook community page or on Instagram under the name at Success 101 Podcast. I'll catch you guys on the next awesome episode. Until then.